Welcome back to the second half of Four Blades in a Pub from Kevin Gage's Manor House Pub in Dromfield with Kevin himself. The second half now, we're going to have a little look at Kevin's career in a bit more detail and have a chat about that. We're going to look at his 1-11 to of Blades and Villa players that he played with throughout his career. And also a little bit of a look forward to the Villa game coming up this weekend. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back, and um, given we've got Kevin Gage as our very special guest and host tonight, um, we thought we'd take him back and ask him to think about, in uh, true Fenner's fantasy football style, uh, his 1-11, to so players he's played with at Blades and Villa, um, and who would make his all-time team of players. So imagine they'd be a pretty good team, by the way. I was going to say, give, give, give us some yeah, of the players we've touched on already, certainly. Yeah. Before we get started uh, with the players, Kev, what formation are you playing? I've gone for 4-2-4. Four, 4-2-4? Two, 4-2-4. Four. Four, two, four. Four, two, four. Four. It's, it's an attacking formation. <laughs> Not the Nigel Atkins. 1-4-2-4. <laughs> four, four, four. Four. <laughs> Are you playing a keeper, Nigel? Oh, cheers, pal. Thanks for... That's, that's, that's the thing that used to get me more than anything. It really Calm goes. Like, move on. Relax. <laughs> so, goalkeeper. Who's one in your 1-4-2-4? Okay, so, so, so my keeper, we, we uh, briefly touched on him, but I decided to go... Uh, with my head, not my heart, <laughs> because I'm going for uh, Alan Kelly. Okay. Under fierce competition from Nigel Spink, who is uh, an Aston Villa legend and, uh, and as I see, a European Cup winner. But, but Alan Kelly, one, because he was my roommate at Sheffield United, but two, because every Blades fan knows he's one of the top keepers we've had in the last generation, probably. And he, it's still the best individual goalkeeping performance I've ever been in. Uh, had the had the pleasure of being in front of, shall we say, in the same on the same pitch when he performed against Sheffield uh, Wednesday in the FA Cup Wembley. final. Yeah, yeah. Because without without him in goal, we we'd a lot we'd have embarrassed them, wouldn't it? Within six and seven Wednesday do Wednesday do kind of sing it should have been ten. Yeah, I haven't got a problem with that. I haven't got a problem with that because <laughs> he, he just stopped everything, yeah. absolutely everything, and I think that endeared him to uh, all the Sheffield United fans and the general public, and he cemented his place. And Sheffield United's number one under fierce competition from Simon Tracy. Yeah, he was equally so good Trace keeper. Good well. Equally Tracy, good keeper, Tracy, yeah. Really good. But I think Did you play with Tracy yeah, No, because he was he was he's a bit younger than me, so he never got he never got a look in. Right. So uh, Did you yes, play with Mel Reese at United? Yes. For, for when he when he got into a few games, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, but you can't you can't judge Mel because he only had Ten games yeah. or so, was it twelve games yeah. or so? But yeah, um, but Alan Kelly, top keeper. Yeah, he'd get my favourite United keeper. It's probably one of. I mean, we talked about right backs earlier. Dan. I think that's always been the thing. Of, and we've done this on the pod before, but like, with that, you talk about when I first started going Kelly, Tracy, and then Paddy. Despite what happened there, was pretty solid. Like, did a lot of good things for us, and then obviously got a bit checkered. Yeah, we dropped off. We had a bit of a drop off for a time, didn't we? Uh, which, but again, we could do a full podcast on. But and uh, Simon Moore was that first one that, despite sometimes not getting it, getting it right, but we trusted him. And I, what I really like about Simon Moore is that <coughs> he's like <coughs> taken on that mantle of being the number two goalkeeper. Sort of, he knows I'm going to get the odd chance. I'm working with one of the best young keepers in the country. This club has been good to me. I'm a Premier, I, I am a Premier League player. I play Premier League money, and I, I always really respected that. Yeah, I think that's the hardest it. thing 
it must be quite hard to like resign yourself to that, thinking, yeah, I probably am. You know, you're not going to play there. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, but Kelly, one of my first heroes. Brilliant. So right backs is right back going to be difficult? Because yeah, funnily enough, it was yeah. difficult. Yeah, because I'd like to think. <laughs> you can oh, the <laughs> team's obviously. If you want to put yourself in, that's fine. But, no, but, no but think, thinking about that, it, it, it's quite an easy one because I've gone for Carl Bradshaw. Um, okay. Because um, on this in the season, I had a big of a fallout with Bassett, and I didn't play much in '94, '95, which was the season we got relegated. He, he moved Bradshaw from right uh, midfield, right yeah. wing, or so to right back um, and I got jolted across and, and I wasn't happy at all because I thought we were better with me right back and Brad's doing his right yeah. right wing right midfield I thought we were more solid but anyway Bassett had his own reasons uh, but Brad's did really really well and he got player of the year that, that season uh, and he, he, he just converted very very quickly to right back uh, ended up getting a, a transfer to Norwich half yeah. a million quid you know, which set him up. Captain you know. then as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did, he yeah. did okay. Still the United's most appearances in the Premier League. Really? Okay. Yeah. Massively underrated player as well. Yeah, yeah um, really absolutely. Credit. A lot of ability. S- solid yeah. as a could, rock. Could cross a ball as well. Absolutely Love, loved to not. tackle. Yeah, absolutely cracker. Still is, by the way. So absolutely <laughs> no, bonkers. Yeah, he's a customer of mine yeah. at work. <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, he, does his, he does his hosting role at Sheffield United, so I see him every other week. Uh, to be honest, we didn't get on absolutely brilliantly. We like chalk and cheese, to be fair. But you know, I respected him as a player. Understood where he was coming from. You know, hundred percent player. Always did his did his job for the team. And uh, I, I had a few options to go with the, the Villa players. You know, but I thought, you know, I think Brad probably deserves it in my one to eleven. Yeah, he's, he's very. I think you could have had. I could have had Mitch well. Ward, but I think I think Wardy was in and out of right back. Was he midfield? Was he right wing? I think Brad's put in a, a solid, you know, three quarters of a season. He's played the year at Sheffield. Yeah, 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 great play. So, so fair enough. Bit before my time, but the way you was. Yeah, I love, I love Brad. I know, like you tweak about him. Sheffield lad, you know, he's he's got all the tattoos, everything. He's yeah. a Sheffield fan. You know, you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. No, so like that. <clears throat> Should we move on to left back? Left back. Yeah, left back. Left back. I've gone for this this uh, kid because I just I needed to get him in the team, and I couldn't get him in the team where you'd think I'd be putting him in the team. So I put him in the team at left back, and it's Dane Whitehouse. I thought you were going to say Dane. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I've no problem with that. I don't I think, think Man United have a problem with yeah. that. Did, did he play left back at Wembley in that? He did. So far, yeah, didn't he? he did. He didn't. He didn't play anything like Dane Whitehouse that no. we thought he was going to no. be because he got in, he got uh, overruled by the occasion. Chris Waddle was on the right hand side, uh, and he just let Chris Waddle have the run of the party. Yeah. He should have just been been Dane Whitehouse as we knew Dane Whitehouse and just yeah. got into him, you know. But so I put Dane Whitehouse. He had so much ability, Dane. So, so much of brilliant. Should he have been got more recognition than um, he did? Because it, it was no, there was left-sided players at that time. In, 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 England, should, with England showed every everyone who would ever played on left side in at left wing uh, at some stage. He should have he should have uh, moved in his career. I think he had the opportunity to go to Leeds, and there's yeah. a famous story saying he didn't even didn't even answer the phone. He didn't want to talk to him at all because he could have gone to Leeds for quite a bit of money, and he just wanted to play for Sheffield United. But uh, at a better team. He would have been a, a superstar. Yeah. He would have been an absolute superstar. Yeah, he had, he had absolutely everything. Yeah. I remember when the season he, he, his career finished when Ainsworth did it. He moved into central midfield, and he he looked just just as good as a central midfielder as he always did as a yeah. fullback. Or as it's, a it's just a football, you know. He yeah, could play. He could play left midfield. He could knock the ball back. He could cross the ball. He could tackle. He was fit. Everything. I think what you said about you find a place in that team. I, I'm exactly the same with him. Yeah. I'd always find a place. 
Dane Whitehouse and my favourite United yeah, yeah, you'd, have to, you'd have to be there. Two great memories of Dane Whitehouse. One of watching him and one that Dan brought to my attention about what he likes to do in his spare time. What is it Dane Whitehouse? The programme notes, the two things he enjoyed. You'd read in the Chinese back. and Coke. What's your call? How do you like Chinese and Coke? That's a whole I got a bit worried there. That's a whole new one to learn. Yeah. 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 Don't want to go there. Don't want to go there. But he always was, he had this great night when he arrived at the far because he was again around when I first started going all the time and he'd arrive at the far post. Yeah. Like, ball he had a goal in him, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talked about it the other week, didn't he? That goal against West Ham. against West Ham. Got us back into game, 2 0 down. Got us back into game, smashed it in from top, top 25 30 yards. Centre halves. Right. Yeah, two centre halves. We've mentioned him already. The first one needs, needs no introduction whatsoever. But Paul McGrath. Yeah. Yeah. I think How en- can en- you not? enough said about that. You know, an absolute Aston Villa legend. Yeah, they call it. They call it. I'll do a spell check. Spell check one in a bit. <laughs> they still call him God. You know, he was just brilliant. And I, I was there when he first came to the club, Aston Villa, and he had he had severe problems off the pitch with his drinking and all sorts of his fitness and everything. And Graham Taylor, to his credit, you know, sorted him out. And, but Paul McGrath had. I think he wanted to be sorted out as well. He wasn't a hopeless case. I think he was just misguided, needs some direction in his life. And uh, and that he got that Aston Villa and, and he responded brilliantly and magnificently. Um, so yeah, he's he's the first centre. It makes you wonder someone like McGrath, I think you're right, he was probably, the era he was playing, there was a drinking culture and there was yeah. a Wednesday club and all that sort of stuff. If he was about now, he would be a worldwide superstar yeah. because of the way that they're bred and the way that they're, they're from a young age that they're taught to treat the body properly and stuff like yeah. that. You'd think he would be a worldwide He was just a brilliant defender. He, he would always be a brilliant defender in, in any era of any in any league. Where I think he, he would actually maybe struggle in these days is because of the emphasis on playing the ball out in the back. Yeah. You know, centre-halves, everybody has to, you have to be a ball-playing centre-half ball. these days, yeah. don't you? Now he wasn't brilliant at, at, at bringing the ball out from the back or passing the ball. He was just a battler. He, he could win things, head things away, get tackles, you know, close people down. But getting the ball, he, he would just play it very, very easy, not try anything too difficult at all. There's a lot to be said for that, though. I've, I've read um, someone saying about Carragher used to do that. He knew what his limits were, so he did that. Didn't go any further, just did that. Anyway, digress. I can speak to that. As a, as, a, as a limited centre half myself, head it, kick it, no problem. So the other centre half, his partner in the season, Aston Villa had a very good side. Mentioned him earlier, Kent Nielsen, six foot four, Danish international. Um, only stayed in the UK for maybe three years or so. Just was signed, was signed for Aston by Grand Taylor at Aston Villa after playing for Denmark in some championship and just fitted into the side perfectly, spoke perfect English. It was more English than most of the English players, <laughs> to be fair. Liked to drink, liked to night out. Just a, just a brilliant, brilliant defender. I've, I've, I've been working with like a Swedish lad before. In time this time I've been on holiday, with a mate who's got a job in Poland now. Just feel absolutely inadequate with how elegant. Like yeah, some, well, eloquent, eloquent, yeah. some people are in this, but obviously English is a much more um, like world language, but he's like, yeah, we make no, no effort. We yeah. make no effort. Yeah. The menu a picture on, point it and say gracias, even if I'm in Portugal. Every, every meeting I've been when I'm abroad, everyone speaks perfect English. <laughs> it's, it is a bit embarrassing at times, no matter where you are. Just makes it, I always feel like, I wish I could do that. But 
we learn French. So anyway, centre midfield, Kev, who's going in? Centre midfield again. We mentioned him already. Gordon Cowens, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Two-footed, incredible athlete, could run all day. Uh, knocks the ball from you know anything from ten yards to, to fifty yards with either foot. Uh, pinpoint accuracy. European Cup winner. Just wonderful, wonderful footballer. Absolute legend at Aston Villa. And who's in there with him there? Uh, in there with him is David Platt. Have to go for David Platt. Um, yeah, just, just, I mean, I was very fortunate. I played in between them at times. So I saw them both very close quarters. When we played three midfield, I was like the central midfield, just kind of sitter there. So were you doing uh, a kind of like a, like a Norwood role, kind of sitting in? Yeah, the... I, I didn't ch- tend to ping it around 60 yards, you know. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in the bobby pitches we played then, but I, I was like the, the holding midfield, if you like, or sometimes it was just me and me and Cowan's there and then Platt would make his runs. So I saw them both at close quarters and, and I was there when David Platt uh, first broke into the Villa side. He was a £200,000 signing from Crew, And he was a, he was not an average player, but it was nothing special about him. But to see the transformation from David Platt, the Aston Villa First Division footballer, into David Platt, the, the World Cup superstar, was quite amazing, yeah. you know. And he just got better and better and better uh, as, a, as a finisher. Not really as a, as a great footballer, not as a great technician, but just as a finisher and a runner and just effective at what he used to do. Brilliant. I mean, I saw Platt playing for Arsenal when I was you know, getting into watching Premier League football and stuff. And he's one of these who now, if you look back at the clubs he represented, it's like a lot of people have always said like Milner's bank average. Milner's played for played Leeds, for, yeah. Newcastle, Villa, City, City Liverpool. Yeah. Like, who did you play for, Dad? Oh, these five, five of the biggest clubs in the country. And like, Platt can say the same thing. And like, I think sometimes a lot of English midfielders over, over time get like, unnecessarily criticised about being, oh, they're not the flair type you see from abroad or whatever, but they're just good, solid players. And Platt was a, like a goal scoring midfielder, maybe a more. Probably a bit like Lampard in that arriving. Yeah, 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 absolutely like Lampard. Yeah, you yeah. mean like Lundstrom? <laughs> <laughs> was, he, Platt, he, was Platt rejected by Man United, or am I making that up? Yeah, yeah let, let go by Man United. Yeah. There, there were a spate, weren't there, players that went to Crew and, and Kelly. That was the way down, Dean Ashton yeah. and Robles. Savage. And, yeah. Very good. So, so how, what what are the four forwards? Are we looking like a left winger, right winger, and two centre forwards? Absolutely. This okay. is a four-two-four attacking formation. So, where are we starting on the right wing? Right wing. Uh, yeah. Well, again, we've mentioned him before, but <laughs> we've been talking a lot about Aston Villa. But Tony Daly on the right wing, because seriously, you don't want to face up against Tony Daly if you're a left back or if you're a right back. He's if he's on the left. Because if he if he gets the ball, does a little bit of a shimmy and knocks it past you, you ain't getting you ain't getting that ball. He's gone. He's absolutely gone. I mean, in his prime, he had a, one or two injury problems, but in his prime, absolutely lightning quick, and not just one of these quick wingers who can't cross the ball or have no ability whatsoever. Because he he was a technically not a bad player yeah. as well you know very good final ball well. was always there yeah, yeah so scored like, a goal as well someone like Daly had great pace we, we, as United fans we've commented on we lack a bit of pace in is it that there aren't the players with that kind of explosive pace or is it just that every player now is probably fitter and more conditioned so that gap that a, a naturally quick player like Daly would have a few years back is I think, I think you're right there players these days are much better athletes than they were 
you know, even 10, 20 years ago, definitely. So uh, I, th I think a Tony Daly would have always been a quick player, yeah. but he wouldn't have been uh, quite so noticeable these days because the the the, the left backs, the right backs, are a lot lot quicker, a lot lot fitter. Yeah. So left wing, left wing uh, is my mate Glenn Hodges. I thought I was going to get Hodges. I'd have been yeah, amazed I've, if he weren't in the I've, side. I've got to find Glenn Hodges. <laughs> Um, I Black mean, I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know where to start with Glenn Hodges. Was he as good as Bassett? Cause yeah, I remember, was, I remember an interview with Bassett and he said, if Glenn Hodges <clears> didn't like pies as much as he did, <laughs> he could have played for any club in the world. Glenn Hodges, he's, he's a thick-set lad. He wasn't fat or anything. He wasn't overweight or anything like that. He's a thick-set lad. Yeah. That's just the way he was built. You know what I mean? He's got he's got big lads. You know, he's six foot one or six foot wherever he is. You know, he's, a, he's, he's, he's not small. So, um, wonderful, wonderful left foot. And I played with Glyn when I was 15 and he was 16 in the Wimbledon like, youth side. So we came through together. So, you know, he made his debut. He's a bit older than me. He made his debut six months before me. So we at one stage, he was on the left wing and I was on the right wing for, for Wimbledon. So we used to swap wings. When we when he took a corner on the right in swingers, we used to swap wings, yeah. mainly because he couldn't be asked to fucking run back to the left. <laughs> so for 10 minutes, until we got another, got another corner, there was, there, was another, there was another famous story that Bassett tells, and it's a bit of a thing at Wimbledon, that if there was a, if it was a sunny day and we had to play on the pitch with a bit of shade, Hodges would always move across to the shade. <laughs> swap wings, Gagey, swap wings, yeah, okay. Why? Because it's a bit hot over there. <laughs> but yeah, ability-wise, I mean, we've always watched Glenn Hodges. He's in clips of him. Absolutely wonderful ability. One-footed, like you wouldn't believe. Could only use his left foot. Right foot was literally for standing on. Also, <coughs> talking going back to wing-backs and then the Stevens, it's been picked up on how many nutmegs he gets, isn't it? In the, in the yeah, last yeah. Glenn Hodges, king of the nutmegs. Really? Absolutely king of the nutmegs, yeah. You, you, you kind of knew it was coming, you know? Yeah. You did your best to keep your legs closed in training because he would do it like time and time again. And he had to do things like that. He had to be good at that because he wasn't at all quick. We've, yeah. we've got chalk and cheese here. We've got Daly on one side and Hodges on the other side. The complete opposites. Can you know? imagine being a fullback marking these two if they're swapping over during the game? <laughs> yeah. Mark Hodges for a while and you think, right, and then they swap over and Daly comes over and goes racing past. And that wonderful left foot delivery, you know, he could, he could, he could uh, curve the ball round defenders. So, you know, you only, you only need a yard of space. You do a little shimmy, get him to his left foot and then bend it round oh, the Dino players, loved yeah. him, did he? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You, and you knew the ball was coming in. That was a big tactical movement. You got the ball out wide. You kind of knew one touch and the ball would be curved in, you know. It's in that the area that's yeah. difficult to yeah. Two strikers. Two strikers. Striker number one, Brian Dean. That shadows out. It's an easy one. That is so we've, we've got top three United players of all time <laughs> in this side. Yeah. I mean, I played with Dino probably, I would say, I would say it's prime. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he really hit any great heights, did he, at, at Leeds or anything? Yeah. I mean, he was, was, was okay, wasn't he? Loving, but he did probably score we met, to yeah, he he yeah. never as good for Leeds as he was. And he got he got, he got a move abroad, didn't he, to Portugal yeah. or wherever? Yeah. Yeah. Soon as took him, soon as took him to Benfica. We sold him after his second spell. Yeah, yeah, it's I think we got the best out of Dino because because and I didn't know anything about him when I joined Chef United. <clears throat> just introduced Brian Dean, six foot two or whatever he is, and 
bit of a lanky kind of lanky streaky player but quickly realised he had fantastic ability really really good feet for someone so tall which is highly unusual by the way um, and he was good in the air and he was a good athlete and he had a body like a bloody boxer you know he, he was a, he was the real McCoy for a couple of seasons at United his cross I can always remember the bad shit he used to say if Brian Dean could get on the end of Brian Dean's crosses yeah yeah he used to he used to because the way Riff Sheffield, because the way Sheffield United played, like the ball down the channel, and Dino would be making that run down the right hand right hand channel, and his his uh, ability, just all round ability, was great. His crossing was good. He could finish. He was good in the air. He could shoot. You know, all round top centre forward. I remember an interview with Paul Merson a few years ago, and Arsenal had played Doncaster in a pre-season friendly, and I think Tony Adams had come in at half time and said, "I don't know who the fuck this kid is, but he's just given me a right." A real kind of roasting for 45 minutes yeah. and Dean would be 17 17 yeah and, and also a bit, a bit of a gentle giant as well you think he, 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 for his physique and his, his power he had he, he should have battered people around just a bit more but he, he, he was a bit too nice as a player and bearing in mind I, I'd had the complete opposite <laughs> I played with bloody uh, John Fashioning you know, for two or three years, who was the complete opposite to Dino, no ability, couldn't cross the ball, you know, no, <laughs> nothing at all, Re reasonably quick when he got into his stride, but just battered people around. So if you could combine the two there, you'd have one hell of a player, yeah. yeah. Just that yeah, interest with fashion. Is, is he as crackers as he comes across? No, he's, he's, he's all for show. Is it all an act? Yeah, it's right, all for okay. show. He says, Moving on to the striker. <laughs> my, my other striker is uh, going, going, going back to Aston Villa, and it's uh, Alan McAnally, who, uh, who, who, came, who came down to yeah, came down to Aston Villa from, from Celtic. And we didn't we didn't we didn't really know. We didn't know too much about Alan McAnally when he first came down. We knew we'd heard about him at Celtic, but again. A wonderful, wonderful footballer who ended up getting a transfer to Bayern Munich. Yeah, I was say, you don't play for Bayern Munich. Yeah. You're not a good player. I had a season that, that uh, <coughs> got injured in his first few months at Aston Villa, so we didn't see the best of him in the first season. But second season, I think he scored 15, 20 goals. And just powerful and strong and quick. Not fantastic ability on the ball, but, but when he was when he was in full stride, he took some shifting off the ball. Yeah, and I also, just think about those two getting service from Daly and Hodges. And also, another, another thing, man, absolutely top lad off the pitch. Yeah, really, really top lad. Really, that, really. Apart funny. from the fact that he's tipped us to lose every game so far, <laughs> I think if, if, his, if his predictions have come right this season, I think we'd have about two. Isn't points. that Charlie Nicholas? That's Charlie Nicholas, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's Charlie Nicholas. Yeah, he's probably taking all that. He's probably not a lovely any of them. Taking all that. I've got a vague memory. I don't really remember much as a player, but I can remember. Did he win goal of the season one that is one hell of a team. It's not yeah. a bad side, is it? Right. So th this is a question for later on, actually, but I think it's worth asking now. Who's your manager? Who's the manager? Uh, I'd have to go Graham Taylor, to be fair. Okay. I've got a soft spot, Graham Taylor. Well, familiarity with Bassett brings a bit of contempt to spend too long as a Bassett player. But uh, I really, really uh, enjoyed my time at Graham Taylor at Aston Villa. He really pushed all my buttons, you know, he got the best out of me. 
could he could he switch from being nice to nasty, or was there was he was he quite a consistent manager? Because you get this impression of Graham Taylor from the media of just being this nice guy, and yeah, oh, fairly nice vilified guy. by the video that yeah. made him look like he no. made him look. Yeah, he got good. shafted, but it made yeah. him look incompetent, didn't he? But it wasn't, he clearly wasn't. wasn't. Well, I mean, what no. I mean is, it, was, he, was he nice or was, was, could he mix it up as a manager? No, he, he, he could mix it up. He was, more, he was more blunt and to the point than he was not Mr. Nice Guy. Right. Definitely. And who's your captain then on there, Kev? Oh, who's the captain? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good shot. You didn't ask me that, did you? Uh, that's a really good shot, well, actually, because there's no... It's you've weird, got, but there's... You've got your spine there. Yeah, but I mean, Cowan's Cowan's is not a captain. He's not a you know up and out type captain. McGrath doesn't say anything at all to anybody. No, he's not. Brad, I'm going for Brad's to be honest. Yeah, for Brad's. Yeah, just because of his kind of persona and yeah, his spirit. Yeah, so obviously from as well like very quick, quick fire first three names. Your era playing three subs mainly. Who would be who you want? Three, oh three, three, just three players you My play era. with who you think. Mm, I wish I could have. Yeah. An option. Uh, Alan Cook, because he's always going to get you a goal somewhere. Um. Oh, you got me now, haven't you? Um. Mark Waters. Yeah. Who? Loved a step over. I was just about to say that. <laughs> You knew, you knew that step over was coming, and every time it got you, every single time, he's the best I've ever seen at a step over, and he could do it either way as well. It was remarkable. Um, and I'll go for where am I missing? I've got a winger. I've got I need a defender really, don't I? Uh, we're going to go you for put yourself on. no, 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 no. Uh, we'll go for. Oh, I'm struggling now, aren't I? Bees, Brian Gale. No, I'm not going for Bees, not going for Brian Gale. I need a midfield. Wardy. Mitch Ward can play anywhere. Yeah, but absolutely anywhere. Yeah. Mr. Versatile. Decent player. Yeah. Quality that. Can play, can play anywhere on that pitch apart from himself. Yeah. So, what a 1 to 11 that is. Decent one. Man. Where's that finishing in the Premier League now? Uh, probably beyond Liverpool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like everyone else, but yeah, fantastic. That's fantastic. They're everything now, and they page tricks. And. Good. Yeah. And, and fight. Yeah, I tried to think about it. I tried to even it, balance it out. You know what I mean? I didn't just throw it together. There's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of thought. There's a bit of it. Well, no, no thought whatsoever into the subs. You threw <laughs> me with no that. No pressure. <laughs> well, well that was really one. good. So obviously that leads us now sleep onto uh, Saturday. And must always be. Is it the first one you look for, Gav, when the fixtures come out? And this one, when we're playing Villa, is it sort of like. Because obviously uh, you, you go down there and you get checked quite nicely by all accounts, depending on how you like to play. <laughs> uh, is this on tape? Yeah, yeah. still go. <laughs> uh, yeah, but not not for any real sentimental reasons, to be honest. It, it, it's it's nice just to go. I, I mean, I go back to Villa about four times a year. Mm. They they invite about uh, maybe six, eight ex players there every single week, so so I can go back whenever there's not a home Chef United game. So. I, pick and yeah. choose a few games but they know every year that I always say get me in for the Chef and I game obviously so that's the first one so yeah I, I do look I do look for it first but um, I've no massive emotional attachment to Aston Villa anymore mm. you know I've probably got more emotional attachment to AFC Wimbledon 
because that's where I started my career. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I want Villa to do well. And I, you know, I don't want them to struggle or anything, but you know, it's not it's not one of the results I look for. There's only one result on Saturday. Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. Of course there is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's at the easy. They're all big games. I think um, it's a real opportunity to put put another marker down by beating Villa on Saturday. And, we've got, and with Mings out, that instantly. I mean, it's a big loss for them, and it's a positive thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I like, it's a huge I like loss. Like, I think it's, it's, a, it's a huge loss for them because I think Mings is right up there with the most headed clearances, most yeah. interceptions like that. Uh, and, uh, as I say, I was at the game v Leicester on on Saturday, Sunday. It was, uh, and he came off after twenty minutes. And uh, the kid they brought on, you know, they they were cutting through, cutting through Villa's defence like ribbons. Yeah. yeah. But, but Vardy had a field day. Vardy could have had four or five goals in there Sunday quite easily. Well, there was the chances later on with Barnes hit one straight at the keeper. The thing we're running right at Leicester, yeah. but Leicester looked fantastic. I yeah. mean, I know we played them earlier in the season, but you could, they're the best team that's been to the way. They've kicked on, haven't they? Definitely. Like, they, looked, they looked excellent then, but I think we if, we, if we play our strongest team and we impose ourselves on the game from the off, I don't see, see why we can't get results. And I'm Anyone else just delighted it's three o'clock on Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing that worries me about um, Saturday is we haven't seen the best of Jack Greenish against us yet. No. Um, he's a well, very, very good footballer. I'm a big fan of Jack Greenish. I've seen him a few times. Um, as I say, saw him on Sunday and it was the worst game I've seen him play uh, live there. Because he just he was, he was in one of those modes where he just kept throwing himself to the floor. I was about to say that. Yeah, that's the frustration. I, that game. I, un- I understand the way he plays. He's going to invite contact because he, as a, as with Mark Duffy, we talked about earlier, he holds onto the ball and he invites contact and he uses his body strength to push people away. But sometimes he just lets people throw uh, push him over, and he was in one of those falling down modes on Sunday, <laughs> and it was getting ridiculous to be honest at the end. He's not going to get any change out of an indeed, and uh, like Madison's, <laughs> Madison's the same as him. But like someone like Ndidi and uh, I think Pratt played, didn't they? Yeah. Um, like they're they're very solid. You know, they're too good to that. Like you can't do, you can't. That won't win against those guys. They're too good a player to use that tactic. Whereas I think. Maybe with a fleck and a lunch, but we'll give it him physics. Well, he, he will be up again. He plays, uh, they play three up top, Aston Villa, and he plays left side. So, although he drops deep to get the ball, he's essentially uh, the left sided kind of forward. So, he'll be up against Bash or Bulldog, one of the two there. So, and obviously, Lundstrom will come into that area. And we remember Lundstrom's tackle on him, you know, he's, 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 he's reducer last year. And Flecker all on waiting one more booking, aren't they? But I think, I think we need to take uh, Grealish out of the game, you know, fairly early on. Within the laws of the game, obviously, not really stupid. <laughs> but you, you can't let him get a free run and get, and get his confidence up. And, and get the way to do that is to attack them, though, isn't it? And put them on the yeah, back foot. Yeah, yeah. And See, for me, I look at the Villa front line, I don't worry so much about this strikers per se. The players, I fear, are really shouldn't have given. Yeah, it's the goals from Dave. Yeah. Goals and Hurahan can hit a, hit a ball from, yeah. from anywhere as well, can't he? Because Wesley will be the striker, won't he? Wesley is getting slated, yeah. and rightly so, because he's, he's terrible. He's terrible. I hope those words don't. hope those words don't come back to bite me. But he, he, he looks really. Cool. Paid a lot of money for him as well, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Paid a lot of money yeah. for everyone, didn't they? Yeah. 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 from Club Rouge, that's a Brazilian who's twenty, like 
got to wonder what you're actually saying. Yeah. Um, Mings is out, isn't he? Yeah, we talked about that much. Who played from the Brighton side of the three then? Is that a Trezeguet? El Garzi. El Garzi. You've got you've got options like Trezeguet. Well, but again, they're not they're not players who are scoring regularly in the Premier League. No. Yeah. We've got players in Moose, you know, Lundstrom who are, who are scoring more regularly than a lot of the Villa players are. Villa, Villa to me don't look to have a, a set system of playing or a set way of playing. They're very, very much a one-man, one-man team, and that man is obviously Grealish. Yeah. I mean, everything seems to come through here, and they, they, they seem to look set the stall out to just give the ball to Grealish as much as they can, and, and we all kind of play off that. It's all off the cuff. So, do we see any? Would you start with the same eleven that starts with Norwich? Yeah, yeah. If everyone's fit, I think that's that's where I go with. I think you got everyone is fit, by the way. Right, okay. And I know I know that because I had my hair cut this afternoon in Taylor Taylor just down the road and Chris Wilde had walked in. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked him as you would. Early team news. <laughs> Early team news. <laughs> but it's just because actually, you know, you like you say when you watch Moose, you know, walking off, limping off, holding his carrying his leg a bit and things like that. And you know, it shows when we have to make changes, it, it can we are such a tight first eleven. We're not at that stage, are we? Where we've got massive strength in depth. Very little. We've got a very good first eleven. Yeah. Below that, that's that's been picked up today, and a couple of articles I've read. You know, if we get a few key injuries, you know, we will struggle, won't we? I suppose you see that Norwich, Norwich, don't you? Yeah. Similarly, there's two players, and we've touched on this many a time, that I worry about getting injured, and that would be injured or suspended or particularly injured for a long period of time that would be O'Connell and Stevens. just because I don't think the depth on that side of the pitch well you're looking at Keane Bryan and Osborne aren't you yeah whereas I think Ben Osborne he's a good young player who's played a lot of football at a young age and hopefully not for injuries to somebody but heaven forbid if it did happen get a prolonged number of games in central midfield I can see him doing a job but the wing back position He's very specialist. Yeah, I can't remember what game it was. It was one fairly recently at home. Stevens went down injured, and you could feel the tension on the cop because it's he's so important. About it an hour before, he's we? so important. Yeah, yeah, he's. But he's not injured, is he? And he's yeah. playing really well. Yeah. And I'd yeah. like to see we've him got confirmation. We've got a fully fit eleven. So. <laughs> and I'd like to see Andy going into El Mahamadi. Right, I, I'm going to go at him because. Surprised he's not gone to Wednesday yet. Yeah, Mohammed used to be. Yeah, because Bruce, he's followed Bruce around everywhere, hasn't he? Um, so, so what are we thinking, result-wise? John, you've well, been negative. Here we go. This, this is this is John's usual. I think that on Saturday United are going to win three-one, and we're going to play really, really well. Mm. So, I'm going for a fairly comfortable win as well, two-nil. I'm going to say John three one United. Kevin? Yeah, I'll go to I'll go two 0 if not three 0 And I think we've got goals against us against Fulham to prove that for the last two seasons. But I'll go two 0 Very good. Sweet. Yeah. So. And we'll be back shortly with a final chat with Kevin. So, um, 
Like I've said a couple of times, Kevin, thank you for inviting us into into the Manor House. It's been great in here. I think uh, great venue if people want to come down for a drink. It's been quite nice. So we'd like to now just take an opportunity and ask you a few questions about your career and, and how you got to where you are now, if that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely fine. So, I mean, I, I read somewhere that obviously you, you weren't a football fan as a child. So how did you feel growing up? Because you clearly got a talent for football, but hadn't really got, I guess, a passion for it. Or was it, was it just that you didn't have a club that you, you took after? Yeah, it was quite weird because uh, you guys are obviously, you know, in and around Sheffield maybe brought up. But I, I lived, I was brought up from the age of about three in the middle of nowhere in Surrey. Um, and I didn't have a local football club uh, to follow. It wasn't like the wall-to-wall coverage you get on Sky TV and, and, uh, and various channels these days. There, were, there was no professional football club within about 10, 15 miles of me. I had no football connections, so I never used to go and watch professional football. And I didn't know anybody who played professional football. Um, so I was just playing Sunday football, school football, district football. Um, I had no uh, conception of the, the life of a professional footballer, or whether it was a, even a career option. Nobody ever mentioned it to me, you know. So it was a bit weird. So I didn't actually support a football club when I was growing up. I just used to watch all the London sides. If I had a preference, it was probably QPR because I went to a QPR game when I was about 12 with my dad because um, he, he, li he lived and worked near Brentford. Um, so he went to watch QPR once when he got a ticket. Uh, and I'd only been to two professional football games um, up to the age of 16. One was at Brentford and one was at QPR. So, so how did Wimbledon come about? Then? Wimbledon came about because I was just playing Sunday football uh, age 15 and a half uh, for Tudor Rovers and it, it's the classic scout turns up at a football match on a Sunday morning watches me play and, and my dad was on the touchline he found out who my dad was said uh, like your son what's he you know is he, play, is he playing for anybody and my dad went no at all and he said would you like to come and play for Wimbledon and I didn't get any ideas of grandeur by the way about playing for Wimbledon because they were in the fourth division at the time. They'd only just joined the Football League two years uh, previously in 1978. Uh, so it was it was akin to being asked to play for, you know, Mansfield or, or even Chesterfield, maybe. So I didn't get carried away with, oh, I'm going to be, you know, get a trial for Wimbledon. It was just like, oh, right, OK, then. It was kind of, uh, <laughs> was we'll, we'll go along then? with it. No, but Bassett was there, but it was nothing to do with the first team or recruitment or anything like that. Uh, so, yeah, I just started playing for Wimbledon at age 15 and a half, you know, um, and, and obviously did okay. Um, playing in the youth team with Glyn Hodges and Mark Morris and a few others. Um, and I actually got offered an apprenticeship at Wimbledon uh, just before I left school and I actually turned it down. I mean, these days, most kids would chop their bloody, uh, you know, arm off, wouldn't they? To get because you fancied doing something else? I was going to be a PE teacher. My, my kind of career path was set out. Uh, I was going to take my, go to a university with a load of my mates uh, and get me A-levels and be a PE teacher. So wow. I, tur I turned down the YTS or apprenticeship, as it, as it was then called, because uh, I didn't really see much, much future in it. It didn't, didn't cross my mind. That's probably didn't from the background as well, isn't it? Yeah, okay. it's just something that didn't, did, didn't occur to me. You know, I had, I had no idea. Um, after about three months of having turned it down, I was still playing for them, still playing for the youth team and doing okay. I've got a game in the reserves and, and they asked me again and I discussed it with my parents and I thought, oh, let's give it a go, you know. I was one of two apprentices. I mean, these days there's 20 YTS kids. So there was two apprentices at Wimbledon. 
it was exactly you put took the words out of my mouth it was just let's give it a go because if it didn't work out for whatever reason or i didn't like or enjoy it i could always go back to you know university or 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 do do degrees or studies or whatever. So it was literally like that. So I kind of fell into it. Compared to that, like. yeah, it's completely different. I mean, these days the best kids are picked up at eight years old, ten seven, years old. Yeah, you'd be training with the pro clubs, yeah. you know, and then their academies and stuff like that. But then it wasn't just me. There was lots of people I played with in my in my county side, Surrey County side, my district side, um, who were decent players. We didn't didn't train or play with anybody. We just played for fun, you know, on a Sunday morning with the school. So from there, then, you see, to pass it wasn't round first. Was that sort of two, three years later when it, Harry started? To... It was a. It was about a year later. Yeah. So I'd been apprenticeship for a year, and I think Bassett took over maybe just after Christmas. Of uh, my first season as apprentice, so he took over the first team, <clears throat> and um, I wasn't in the first team squad or anything. I was playing in, in the youth team and a few occasional games in the reserves. And then, because it wasn't a big squad at Wimbledon, we all kind of trained together. There wasn't a, there wasn't a under twenty threes or an under eighteens. Everybody joined in together. So he obviously saw something in me, and and I, I was on the bench age sixteen. And at the end of the season, I made the debut for. For the first team. Are you the youngest? Yeah, I, I still yeah. am. I still am the youngest ever to play for uh, Wimbledon. A record that will never be broken because the club <laughs> doesn't exist. Because <laughs> <anymore. laughs> yeah. it's now a AFC, you know, it's the Phoenix yeah. Club AFC. So yeah, so from the age of from the age of uh, seventeen, that following season, I've been in and around the the first team at Wimbledon, you know. And so that was that take you through about five, six years at Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, First couple of years, I think we got promotion, then we got relegated, and then we started the climb through the division. So we won the fourth division championship. I think we were runners up in the third division, had a season in the second, the old second division, and then we got promotion to the first division. In, in year out, see you. Basically, yeah. yeah. So was that the kind of classic crazy gang squad? So yeah, uh, Wise Jones, people like that. There's well, certainly not Jones. Because the the crazy gang thing was a it was a PR stunt actually not a stunt but it was a, it was a it was a head a newspaper headline written by Tony Stenson of the Sun and I think it was uh, maybe the year before we got into the old first division and we were getting a bit of publicity because we had a good cup run FA Cup run and they just did a pen pictures on each of us and we'd just done a week away at some army camp down in Plymouth or somewhere. Uh, and we we were all pitching with assault rifles and on on these uh, <laughs> assault courses, and they just they just thought it was weird and strange for a professional club to do that. So that's why that's why we got the crazy gang nickname. Um, so yeah, the, the kind of all the, all those crazy gang kind of moments and people all that all actually happened about two or three years previous to uh, the people when they picked up on it with Vinnie Jones and Fashionu. They kind of came right at the end of it. Right. And they took it on, and they did brilliantly to take it on and yeah. take it to high new they, levels because they, they won the FA Cup. Themselves as well, yeah, and, and, that, and, it, and there was a whole kind of crazy gang thing built up, yeah. but it had all started, you know, a few years before that with what, all us. So, what would sum it up then? If, obviously, that era became a lot more public. Because, so, what would sum up your time at Wimbledon? Is it the unity of the team? Is it Dave Bassett's methods and with Jeff Taylor, or is it? Is it... Um, I, th I think it was. More than methods, I think, rather than the unity. 
we, we were all, you know, we were a strong group and we, a lot of us had come through the youth team, but like Odges and people like Fishenden and Mark Morris and, and people like that, we'd all come through the youth team. Nigel Winterburn was signed and he was like a superstar for we would end up at Arsenal. So we were a very close-knit group and we were all of a, of a similar age as well. Um, but it was more the method we played and uh, we just hit on a, a system of play <clears throat> that suited the players we had and uh, the players Bassett brought in in the later stages and uh, and people just couldn't cope with it, the teams couldn't cope with the intensity and the uh, the, the the physicality of the way women used to play yeah. um, well, and it was you remarkable. Said, you said that Ali was ahead of his time wasn't he in some of the things he was doing around conditioning and other things. Yeah I mean I've, I've heard stories about him kind of splicing VHSs together to put, you know, to yeah. put um, you know kind of match snippets together to show players and stuff yeah. like that. And, he, things, he's, that, he, things that were kind of regarded as cutting edge in the last ten years. Yeah, he was doing it, it was the it was, it was old VHS recorders. Yeah, and and, and he didn't put them together. By the way, no, we, right. we had we had an old we had a, 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 an old guy called Vince Craven, and I was the one because I lived nearest to Vince, who lived in Windsor. I was the mug who had to drive to Windsor <laughs> to pick up all the videos on the way home. It was probably You're 20, minute, with the rest 20 of the minutes out of my bloody way, but I had to go and pick up the videos. And Vince Craven had six or seven video cassette recorders in his lounge, and he used to literally get games on and put clips, put clips yeah. together. Yeah, so we had all the clips together, all the goals we scored, goals we conceded. Now, Vince Craven was also very useful because in, in early 1980s, he, it was before Pornhub was invented. <laughs> so we used to get lots of illegal Swedish porn films. And he was very useful for recording those for us. Tiki didn't splice that in with the highlights. There was other things on the videos as well, just to keep us interested. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there was um yeah, he was he was he was I wouldn't say cutting edge, but he had some some good ideas. And think about nowadays, the analytics in football, that's kind of really early stages yeah. of, of, of analysing a game. And, and we, had a, we had a uh, Olympic weightlifter who used to take us for weight training at, uh, underneath, underneath the stand at Plough Lane. There was a gym to one side of it. And we used to go in there a couple of times a week, do weight training and things like that. I don't know if other clubs were doing it, perhaps they were, but ours was quite structured and quite... quite uh, I think there was well, something about that era of Wimbledon that, that was different, wasn't there? Whether it was the, the unity or whether it was the style of play or whether it was a combination of everything put together, they were just different. Yeah, we, we should do what they did. We certainly had a, a very good close-knit squad and a group mentality and we were all in it together. And, and we were very much, even, even though... Uh, it was little old Wimbledon, which was a story when we got into the into the first division. Even when we were going to other clubs, though usually the grounds were bigger than Plough Lane, so we were always kind of the underdogs going there. So it was a kind of us against them mentality. But the bottom line was, we also had some very very good players. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say yeah, that you can't do all this without having some so a good kind of base, a good group of good players. So you I just mentioned how many good players have come through. Yeah, through exactly. That yeah. And, and, ten years. and kept going. Yeah. The one that stood stood out for me was always, and I think may may have been a little bit later, but Dennis Wise. Dennis Dennis Wise came, uh, yeah, in the halfway through the season before we got into the first division. Right. Uh, yeah, but Dennis Wise, I met, already mentioned Nigel Winterburn, who was player of the season for women three years running. We had Dave Besson and Goal, who came from non-league and ended up, you know, going to the 1990 World Cup. Had a great career as a keeper. Terrible um, hair. Shocking hair. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about it. 
cut that out immediately. <laughs> yeah, so just some Glenorchus, as I say, Alan Cork. We had Steve Gallows midfield, Laurie Sanchez, who came in from Reading. So and did a great... Yeah, he, he joined later on, yeah. later years. But we had the basis of some, you know, some very, some very, very good players. Uh, we all bought into the Dave Bassett system that all Sheffield United fans will know about because it obviously got them success in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, we all knew what we were doing. We were all committed to the cause. And it was just a great time to be in and, in and involved around around you know, the football club. So, so given that, what, what led to you leaving and going to Philip? Yeah, so we just arrived in the... Uh, we just had one season in the First Division, the old First Division, now the Premier League. And we'd finished sixth in that division. And we were top of the league after four or five games. And we, we, we beat Man United at home, Man United away, Liverpool away, Chelsea, we beat Chelsea 4-0 away. You know, we had some fantastic results. So so Bassett was leaving at the end of that first season. Hodges was leaving, Winterburn was leaving. I'd been there six years. I thought it's time for me to go. I've achieved, you know, everything I'm probably gonna achieve at Winterburn. We finished sixth in the old first division. It's not as if we're going to win the FA Cup or anything, is it? <laughs> <laughs> next, <laughs> history says next season I won the FA Cup. But um, so I, I thought I thought I'm gonna, I, I don't need to leave, but I think it's my time to leave. Um, and Aston Villa came in for me, and it was a no-brainer. You know, as soon, I had a lot of respect for Graham Taylor for what he achieved at Watford, uh, and as soon as I walked into Villa Park. Having left Plough Lane with a six, seven thousand. Yeah, I can capacity. imagine. I mean, I've been to Plough Lane in the old yeah, exactly. days and walking into Villa Park. Yeah, wow. you just even even though Aston Villa just got relegated, so they just got relegated from the old First Division. Graham Taylor made it quite clear it was promotion, you know, or bus basically, and he, we were going full out for a promotion. So I had no hesitation in joining them whatsoever. You won, you won the league that year. We can finish second, oh, okay. finish runs up. Yeah, all but, the best teams do, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> But great season, fabulous season. It brought me out as a person and a, as a as a player as well. You know, I, I had a great time. Uh, and that first season, I, one of my proudest achievements uh, in football is I actually played every minute of every season and, and that promotion season, and not just forty-two games, all the cup games as well. So I mean, I'm very proud of that. You're just embedded in that side, you are. Yeah. Exactly. So how old were you, Kevin? You went I was twenty-three. So yeah. obviously, that would first time. I was living in London. With Wimbledon, but moving up north. Yeah, it was a big thing. Yeah, big thing for my, for my wife. We had two two young kids as well, two boys. So it was a big thing for me. Yeah, yeah. But Graham Taylor, you know, took the hat off to him. He was brilliant. He actually, the house I ended up renting, Graham Taylor had actually nearly signed for, and because he knew my situation, I was coming up with a young family. He said, "I'll tell you what." He said, "You can have you can have this house. It's perfect for you." I'll find somewhere else. So I actually took the house he was going to live in. Is, yeah. that, that, is that Graham Taylor in a nutshell, is it? Yeah, he, 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 he wanted to make sure everything was right for you off the pitch, yeah. He was very oh, conscious of yeah. the, the situation. That's, 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 that's quite quite the market. Someone does yeah. something like you're going to run through Rick Walsh, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Going on from what you've just said there, I, I, got, I got a bad injury two years into my Villa career and uh, I was struggling, really. I was struggling mentally at the time. And... Um, Unbeknown to me, he went he went to my house when he knew my wife was in there, and he just he just obviously you know checked on my on my well being, you know just everything was is everything all right at home you know Kevin's fine he's going to be all right don't worry about it. tell him not to worry about it. I didn't know any about this, 
Uh, and after he'd been to see my wife, he then got me into, he called me into his office the next day. My wife didn't say anything, by the way. Nothing at all about it, because he, he told her not to, but he thought better of it. And he's, he called me into his office the next day and he said, look, I went to see your wife last night. Just, just I hope you don't mind just to make sure everything was all right and make sure you're on the right back. I said, that's absolutely fine, you know, because I realised the reasons he was doing it, you know. It's, it's mark of the man, isn't it? It's sad, because his reputations with England for most people in, in football is they remember him the, the turnip and all that. But you hear from listening to other podcasts and people that play for him, yeah. just such a, such a really good man. Yeah. I'll be honest, I always wanted him down at United. We were struggling for years. We, had, we were having manager this, manager that. And he always struck me as someone that could have come in as like a, done like a director of football role. Yeah. Well, just, to, just to steady the ship and... and well, uh, after he had, after he got the English, <coughs> he went back into uh, obviously football management and he was a success again at Villa. He went to Wolves, I think he got Wolves promotion as well, if I'm remembering correctly. I think he went back to Watford, yeah, went back to Watford. So. I mean, most England managers, they're done, aren't they, England manager? And that's, yeah. that's where you go from there. He went back into like, football management and did well. I suppose, um, is there a bit of the fact that he was the way he was as a manager? Would that perhaps mean, or was he perhaps not suited to international management because of the fact that he was so close to all the players and that you can't necessarily do that as a, as a national <laughs> team manager, I guess? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of truth in that because when he was England manager, he uh, used to go back into the clubs. He used to visit clubs once a week and went back into the clubs with the manager's permission, obviously. And he used to take training sessions at the clubs as, as and when the, the club manager let him do it. Because I think he missed that day-to-day involvement. He was not just a football manager. He at Watford or Aston Villa or Lincoln or wherever he was he was involved in every single aspect of that club he knew everybody's name he was involved in the commercial department directors everything he organised the travel and he goes to England and he's got nothing to do like, you know once a month they've got a game so I think he missed that day to day involvement there's a lot to be said for our current manager isn't there he yeah. talks about his fingerprints being across everything doesn't yeah. he a mate of mine did some work at Lane a few months ago and he said that he returned to the guy in the club shop at United he said every day uh, the Tufty comes in or he sends a couple of the players in just house things everything all right anything and he's, it's the same thing I think he's involved in, yeah. in a lot of kind of facets of United um, that's how you pull it together and drive it forward in the vision that you're trying to yeah. well create and that's that's the thing when you compare to Wilder Wilder's been incredibly passionate about uniting the club <coughs> pardon the pub to get them moving in that right way but then they need it at every club Chris has ever been at he's always had to be hands on whether he wanted to or not you know we're non-league obviously but then at Halifax with the things they had and then at Oxford the huge issues they had Northampton were going bust you know he's always had to be hands on and he can't he, he wasn't just doing the team he was involved in everything else as well so what your time at Villa what's your fondest memory Talked about you, know, you played every game that season. And is there a, is there a standout match or a standout moment? That... Um, the, the, the standout, the standout match, um, maybe for me personally, is um, it was an FA Cup game actually, and we, we were playing crew, and we were playing with the, the three centre halves and the wing backs, but I was in midfield, um, and it wasn't working. We were two 0 down at, at half time. 
And there's a famous story that, uh, that goes around Villa <coughs> that Graham Taylor walked in the dressing room and just said, right, you lot, you got yourself into this mess, mess. You've got to get yourself out of it and walked out the door, which isn't quite right. He did say those words, but he didn't walk out the door uh, because he, he, he organised the team into a 4-2-4 four, four, and he looked at me across there and he said, Gagey, he said, he said, sort these lads out. We need to get, we need some of your old Wimbledon spirit to get us out, get us out of this. And then he left. So he said maybe four sentences. So we went 4 2 4, we got the ball forward quickly, we ended up winning 3 2. I scored the second goal. And it, it, it was a fantastic second half performance, like chalk and cheese. So for me personally, that was probably my finest half hour in a, in a, in a, in a Aston Villa shirt. Um, and, and I found out afterwards that the reason, <clears throat> half the reason that I was kind of bought by Graham Taylor from Wimbledon is because I epitomised what he was trying to achieve at Aston Villa. Because the club had, the club smelt of rottenness, you know what I mean? It had just got relegated. He needed to change things. And he, he, he looked at me as an example of what can be achieved with a bit of fucking team spirit, and a bit of gusto, you know? And all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I was only one person, of course. He, 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 he brought in other people like McAnally and Steve Sims of Watford and other people as well. But I was like the kind of, Standard bearer, if you, if you want to know the word. Was that pressure though? Did you feel? No, I didn't feel. I didn't realise at the time. I just, I'm just joining as a as a player. But funnily enough, after after only being at at um, Aston Villa like a couple of days, I had experienced people come up to me like Gary Shaw, who'd won the European Cup, you know, a few years earlier, and Nigel Spink and people like that who'd been there years, asking me all sorts of questions about Wimbledon and Crazy Gang and. What was it like to be there? And was it really like this? And and I, I was like telling them these stories and just saying That's how really it was. I'm a bit overawed by these superstar players. Yeah, and all they want to know about is bloody Wimbledon. I thought you asking them what's it like to be yeah, exactly, European yeah. company and asking you what yeah. it's like to. So imagine that, especially going to a club the size of Miller from Wimbledon, it's sort of like that first like day at work that first day feeling oh, what's it going to be like who am I going to get on with who's going to be yeah. a dickhead that I don't like it's a dickhead. all these sort of questions racing for your head and then they say so what happened when you were on my army base then what was yeah. that all about <laughs> like, well, what was it like playing in the Champions League final that's more interesting <laughs> yeah. surely absolutely yeah. yeah it kind of gave me a bit of a kudos because I've played for Wimbledon you know it's like Oh, you played for Wimbledon. Oh wow! You know what was that like? It gave me a, a, a bit of a gra gravitas. You know what I mean? Amongst, amongst your fellow pros immediately, which is good, really. Yeah. So Ian's obviously jotted down some points. So when Graham left, big man, did it become quite obvious that he didn't fancy you? <laughs> yeah, immediately. Because uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't get didn't get an opportunity to play in the first team at all pre-season. Where I brought loads of players in, and there was not just me. There was maybe four or five of us just stuck on the sidelines, you know, just in the reserves pre-season, and, and that was it. There was, it was a bit hard. Oh, there was various people. Um, Earl Barrett came in. We just okay, talked yeah. about him. He played right, right back, like for like. Uh, Kevin Richardson, midfield. Steve Staunton came in. Ray Houghton. Good quality, players, experienced yeah, players. players. Yeah, good football. Yeah, himself, yeah. Right? Looking back, looking back now, I can understand entirely why he did it. We'd all, we'd all been there through the Grand Taylor for four, three, four, five years, and the team was getting a bit stale. It needed freshening up, you know. 
Regis came in as well. Cyril Regis came in that season, yeah, yeah. Yeah, spent not spent a great deal of money, but just got in a whole new load of faces, yeah. And it was hard for me to say, I'd never had that kind of rejection before. And I was fully fit, raring to go, but just didn't get an opportunity at all. Were you told? Did he ever No, not at all. No, not at all. Yeah, I genuinely couldn't take it. It was really difficult for me. And, and I fell out, I didn't fall out because I never really had any meetings with him at all. But uh, I, I, it was difficult for me to take and so, it really got me down. So you, did you have like an agent then? No. So was this all done through <clears throat> a club secretary sort of style? Yeah. Like play a liaison officer? <coughs> no, nothing at all. I was I was literally just playing in the reserves, just really, really, really fed up and really mm. pissed off and I'm really at a low ebb, just hoping to God that someone, you know, somewhere would, would come, in to, come in for me. So uh, on move. that point, probably going to loop back in a little bit but obviously your next move was to, to Sheffield United what how, did you instigate that no nope. what, what how did that come about not at all just tra- training with uh, no in, no uh, no uh, no um, instigation that was coming in coming in on board at all I had no uh, no no rumours or anything like that it was just a training one day with Aston Villa we got called off the training ground to, to go into the office because uh, uh, Jeff Taylor <laughs> wants to wants to speak to you on the phone he's going to bring, bring Jeff back Taylor yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. yeah he was a coach at United but he was a youth team coach so I didn't have much interaction with him uh, but I knew he was at Sheffield United so I was just waiting for the phone call I spoke to Jeff Taylor uh, at 11 o'clock or so on, a, on some random morning and said uh, we want you to come and, and talk about coming to Sheffield United and uh, within within about two hours I've gone home got changed got in the car drove to Sheffield and was sat in, in Dave Bassett's office wow so it didn't take much thinking about to be honest I, you know I just couldn't wait to sign what, what were your first impressions of, oh, of the place well it's a decent sized club isn't it I mean it's great Aaron Bassett was sat there telling me you know that they're not a bad side even though they're bottom of the league not a bad side. I'd be regular first choice fullback. This is what he wants to do. He said it's not quite like at Wimbledon. He said it's a little bit more refined. That's the meaning of football. It's not. It's not what he meant. Is it's not quite all about physicality and a bit of violence that we had at Wimbledon. It's, it's a bit. It's a bit more subtle. We've got some decent players, you know. Uh, but just just come up and you know just do what you can do. So even though we're, you're not at the bottom of the league. It's not a tough sell to you because no. you want to play. Yeah, not you'd not rather at come all. and play for a team at Battle League than sit on yeah. to play reserves for a absolutely, a yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Well, you've done that, haven't you, by going down to Villa in the league below? Obviously, it's a different size club, but you dropped to yeah. the league when you went uh, there. I'll, I'll be honest. If a, if a <clears throat> if a Division Two as it was then, club would come yeah. in for me, championship now. Yeah, I'd, I'd have probably gone there if it was in reasonable distance or something yeah. like that. It was nothing, I didn't think, oh, I definitely want to go back and play for Dave Bassett. Yeah. It just happened that he came in for me at the right time. So you, you say know. that then, Kev, your relationship with Dave, would you say it was, there wasn't this sort of, oh, it's my old pal coming up again, no. it's just, I've worked together before, we know what each other are about, and there's that more mutual respect yes. rather than a brotherhood. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I've, I've, I was never massively close to Dave Bassett as a, as a manager. And it, obviously, going back to Sheffield United, having an experience with him five, six years at Wimbledon, much the majority, the vast majority of his team talks and his coaching, I'd seen it all before and I'd heard it all before. So nothing he was going to say to me. Is gonna is gonna like push any buttons in in my head or make me play any better. 
Now, I knew exactly what I had to do and what he he would require of me, and it was up to me to you know to, to knuckle down and, and get the job done for him. Probably something in that's why he wanted to, to talk to you and, and bring you to the yeah, club. I would yeah, yeah, he, he knew what he knew what it was all about, and uh, I knew I knew what he was about. It was, it was not a match made in heaven or such, but it was so easy to slip into the system for but two ways, both for him to accept me as, as, a, as a player and for the other people to accept me as a player and also for me to fit into the, uh, the Sheffield United way of playing at the time. And also, of course, I'm moving into a team. I've got Brian Gale next to me, who I played with at Wimbledon. Yeah. You know, he's a couple of, couple of years old, uh, younger than me. Came through the youth side. Glenn Hodges on the wing. John Gallon in midfield. Simon Tracy. You know, it's so easy for me to sl- slide straight into the Sheffield United team. And you're straight onto the bench for Sheffield Derby. Yeah, the first first game was the Sheffield Derby. Yeah, yeah, which was quite weird. <laughs> Come on. No, I didn't. Didn't know. John Reed was next to me. He was two on the bench that day. He was, uh, John Reed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, oh, I just, just sat there and watched it all unfold. What was it like? Because it, obviously it was the first top flight derby. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. It? it was the first years. proper, yeah. first proper game we played against them for. Yeah. For the one where years. the uh, the Sheridan Warriors. Sheridan Warriors. Yeah. yeah. Well, I must admit, the, the I, I played in many derbies. Obviously, Wimbledon derby, Wimbledon Brentford, Wimbledon Fulham, Wimbledon Arsenal, Chelsea hasn't got the same intensity because obviously it's London and it, it's diluted, isn't it? You go to you go to Aston Villa and you're playing against Birmingham, which is a big derby as well, yeah. you know, massive derby. And we, but it wasn't really, uh, it, it it was a derby, but Villa were always firm favourites. Yeah, yeah. Usually came out on top. To be fair. So it, again, the rivalry was there, but not really in a football sense. But when you came to Sheffield, you, I, I, I realised the intensity and how much it meant to so many people. Um, it didn't fully—I didn't realise it fully at the time in that first game because it was <coughs> all a bit new, and, and you, you're there. Well, that's noisy. You've played in front of loads of fans before. Yeah. The second time we played the derby, which was the three-one, Bobby Davidson. Bobby Davidson got the yeah. Bobby Davidson derby, as it's called. But by that time, I, I then realised how much it meant to the people of Sheffield that we had to beat Sheffield Wednesday, obviously. I don't think people so, outside of the city realise. No, it, how it's, it's down, very. It's always played down, I yeah, think, nationally. Yeah. Unless, unless people have obviously been involved in Yeah, it goes back to what I'm saying there. Aston Villa. Birmingham, they're only really two teams in Birmingham. You've got West Brom and Bulls, but they're not really in Birmingham. But Aston Villa Birmingham is, is a huge derby. But Villa are so far ahead of Birmingham, it's not really mm. a big derby. It's yeah. like Bristol City, Bristol Rovers, yeah. you know, it's not. Yeah, it's not what I'm saying. There's I only one that's winner why there, isn't it? Years ago when Birmingham did the double, it was such a big thing for them, wasn't it? But. So, how long then into your spell at the Blades did you move up Sheffield? Quite, oh, quite, quite straight quick. away, yeah. Because yeah, you were only renting that house that Graham had sorted out, or he bought something. <laughs> like, no, I, I, like, I bought a house in uh, Sutton Coldfield. <laughs> so, so as soon as I signed for Sheffield United, rented a house uh, in Drumfield, where we are now. And that was 20, 29 years ago, 28 years ago, whatever. You, you like the pubs that much? It's a different house. <laughs> different house, but yeah, we just stayed stayed in the area and stayed, stayed up here, yeah. Just going back to when you signed in, so the following week you made your debut against Spurs. Yeah, and scored the winning goal. Yeah, scored scored the goal. Um, well, the goal got credited to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> similar to Baldock's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah like very that. very similar. Shot come yeah, very in. very similar. Except I actually meant meant mine. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to cross mine. Baldock, 
balled up and came off his shin, I think, and went in the far corner. But yeah, I, I, similar situation. Uh, I tried to curl a, a low, hard cross across the goals, across the six-yard line. Yeah. And uh, Brian Dean and Mabbott both slid in to, well, Dino to get a final touch, Mabbott to clear it, it came off Mabbott and went in the goal. But for some reason, they gave it to me. Take it, No idea, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, turn it down. Record books, yeah. I'm not going to turn it down. Brilliant. You, so, you started, you've scored quite a few goals fairly early on for United, didn't you? Uh, I did, I you did scored okay. You scored that... I did okay, really yeah. Good Villa Park, I scored a, a really, a, a, well, thank you for saying really good goal. I mean, you, <laughs> but you, it, you but, kind of cut inside. Yeah, it was, it was. Yeah. <laughs> which, are, which, when people ask me, um, that is the best 10 seconds of my life. <laughs> Forget your kids being born or getting married or anything like that. That's the best 10 seconds of my life. Purely because the, the situation I left Aston Villa in uh, you know, I hated Ron Atkinson, by the way, for what you know, for what he yeah, did yeah. to me and didn't give me a chance. So it was a real grudge match for me, and it was my first trip back to Villa Park, and I got a decent reception, and it was nil-nil, and we were doing okay, and I was having a decent game, and yeah, I got the ball on the right hand side from a throw on a cut inside, um, and um, it, it kind of opened up for me. Yeah. And Villa Park's pitch wasn't brilliant at that time, by the way. No pitches were brilliant yeah. in those days, but I got a fantastic kind of bobble just as I went to strike the ball on my left foot and it made the it made the ball dip brilliantly. <laughs> it, it, was, it, it wasn't flying over the bar but it, it, it just put a little bit of dip on it which took it into the, the middle of the goal and Nigel Spink was in goal and he's just like watched it go and he didn't even realize he didn't even go for it and it's one of those where it's a cliche but as soon as it as soon as it's left my foot I kind of know it's very, very close to going in. <laughs> so you're already running towards right? I'm, I'm ready to go, yeah. And had it, had it happened on the other side of the pitch, I genuinely would have run straight to the Aston Villa bench and had just given it to Ron Atkinson. <laughs> but I was on the I was on the away end, yeah. I was in the side, so I went to the Villa, went to the uh, um, the Sheffield United fans. And there's I keep seeing it on YouTube, <coughs> and people keep posting it every year. But... Uh, Gannon tries to get on me and Paul Rogers, I think, tried to get on me. They want to jump on me and I'm fighting them off because <laughs> all I want to do is keep celebrating. <laughs> keep going, going, fucking yes. So like, it was like a bulldog down at White Hart. Like, <laughs> like, fighting everybody, isn't he? So it was a very, very special moment for me personally, you know, back at Villa and School. redemption all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way to do it. And you get the good reception and go home with like little pantomime, like, like, yeah. Anti hero sort of so like came affected. back and he had a bloody right game today. It's not affected you. You're still well thought of at Villa, aren't you? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it you never yeah, remind Nigel Spinker that then. <laughs> take it you, you don't bring that up every not time very you see often, him. No. <laughs> so going on from like that spell at United where we had the cup final, the cup semi final, should I say, is Wednesday, which we talked about in, a, in an earlier section. It was always turbulent above, you know, in the boardroom at United at that time. Do you think the club could have done any more? You know, did that hamper the club in, in many ways? Um, I, don't, I don't think it affected us as, as footballers. I don't think yeah. I don't think footballers are ever affected by what what happens in the boardroom. I think I think uh, people read too much into it. Yeah. You know, I think you just basically worry about you know the next game, your last game, etc., etc. I don't think it matters to anybody. I don't I don't think anybody at Sheffield United was particularly concerned or. Or worried about yeah, you know, what was the happening wages going in the yeah, for the fans. Obviously, it was quite a you know, time in the boardroom, a lot of change going yeah. on from that period. So, how did it come to an end at United for you? Um, 
we uh, Bassett, we, we had a we, first season in the after relegation. Uh, we had a decent season. Uh, I had a decent season as well. Uh, and then start of that pre-season, I, I got an injury, so I missed the basically first six months of the season. Uh, while I was still out, Bassett got sacked or left or whatever he did, and Kendall came in, and, and once again it was the same situation as Aston Villa. New manager comes in, and he wants to change things around, um, and, and I was one of the casualties, even though I was just about fit when he came back in, and I thought I was playing all right, and I thought I could do a decent job. Um, and he was playing Chris Short, if you remember him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And to, to be fair, I, I'm, I'm twice the player Chris Short was. But quick, I, quick, but not much else about yeah. him, rightly. But, but I think Kendall used Chris Short just to play there because I he needed me to be out of the picture. And it was different with, with uh, Howard Kendall because I'd experienced what had happened at Aston Villa and I understood the reasons he was doing it. So I didn't have a problem. And I was a little bit older. I was 31, 32. Did he talk to you? Yeah, he was okay. Yeah. He was so he actually, right. he actually... Yeah, he was, he was Whereas Ron fine. just shut you out. Yeah. He, he actually... No, yeah. Kendall was absolutely fine. I've never had a real heavy meeting about my career and my future, but I kind of understood where he was coming from, you know. I never went to see him. I never had a one-to-one -one say, what's going on? Because I kind of knew. Yeah. It was ob it was obvious. And I didn't make a big play of it. So right back comes in. Yeah. And you're already there. And it's not some youngster. Yeah, well, obviously well, signings not, back not, then were different, weren't they? Not, like, just, not just Chris Short. He was playing Mitch Ward there as well. So yeah. Ward, Ward, he was a good player, always a good player. He played midfield, he could play right back. Kendall so, really liked him. I mean, he took him to Everton. Yeah. Left, didn't he? So. The, the bottom line was I, I, I was a bit more mature and understood the reasons why and I wasn't going to kick up the fuss. And I probably thought I'd had a knee injury, although I was getting back fit. I probably thought, you know, my time's probably up here. Probably it's time to move on, you know. You get that feeling, you know, when you when you when you've kind of had enough. Where did you go after you know? Well, funny enough, I, I, I could have gone I could have gone back with Bassett because uh, Bassett had gone to Palace mm. and um, they were pushing for the playoffs uh, in the same division, so that would be what is now now the championship. Uh, and my options were to go to Preston North End, and I had a two two and a half year contract at Preston or to go to Crystal Palace on a short-term contract for about three times the money I was going to get at Preston, but it was only going to be for six months. Right. And I would have been straight into Palace and hopefully in the playoffs and at Wembley. And that's how the Bassett tried to sell it to me. But bearing in mind my family's up in Sheffield, in Dronfield now, and I'm settled here and yeah. I could drive to Preston and maybe stay over a couple of times. Or got to go back down yeah, to South London. Big relocation job. Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't have relocated. I'd have just gone down and... Short term,
the traveling got me down because I was doing the car journeys every day. We shared it with another couple of lads, but it was still it's too far. Press, yeah, it's away. yeah, it was about hour and three quarters. Yeah. It was a bit, of a bit of a nightmare. Uh, so I was trying to get back closer, and whole city uh, came in. Now, it's not whole city at the KC Stadium, yeah, which is all nice. Park. It was Boothbury Park, <laughs> and we were bottom of what is now League Two, and it was for, under Mark Hately, who has never had another job in football. <laughs> And that tells you So was there anybody notable there? Was like Windass there? Was that after Windass has tired? No. Basically, no. Glenn Hodges was there. Oh, really? he, he, yeah, he, he recommended me to to hate the coach. <laughs> You've thanked him for it ever since. <laughs> so it was it was it was horrendous. Absolutely so that, that horrendous. drew it, that drew a yeah. curtain Well, I, I didn't I think I had an eighteen month contract to hold. And all footballers' contracts go to end of May, end of the season. Yeah. And it was so bad in that in that uh, eighteen months that it got to Christmas of my final year, and I called it a day. I retired. I went to the club, and I just couldn't stand it anymore. Me and my wife had a uh, we started a business out there in the Holmesfield, just down the road, and she was running that uh, pub restaurant, gastro pub, uh, and that was going great. And I just couldn't face the last four months of my football career. And I'd, I'd lost all uh, enthusiasm and interest in playing football just purely through being at Hull City. <laughs> having to wear that was, tiger kit, is that it what was, it was? It was just the worst place in the world <laughs> to play football. <laughs> two stands were condemned. They were getting about two, 3,000 fans. There was no training ground. You know, we had to go there and then get in your car and then go to train. The training was terrible and Haiti was just a nightmare. Didn't have a clue. It's just awful. So I just called it a day, went to the club and said, my contract is uh, for four months. I'm owe, you owe me that much money. Let's come to an agreement. Pay me that much money and I'll just clear off and save you, you know, however many thousand pounds. And they were quite happy to do it. <laughs> So, is there any, ever any thought about going into like coaching, or no. is it just the business you wanted to join? No, I, I, I did a, I did a coaching course, a two-week coaching course, it, uh, about two years previous to my whole city experience, um, and that was in Sheffield. That was with Pemberton and Nigel Worthington and Bobby Davison and a few other pros. And a few, they've just, all gone into, all, yeah, a lot, a lot of them went into football. Coaching, yeah, so it was a two-week, two-week course, five days a week, um, and about after about two or three days of doing this course, I, I kind of realised that it wasn't for me and this is not what I want to do. You get that kind of light bulb moment that kind of dawns on you. And I thought, well, you know, what am I doing here? I'm, so I'm kind of, you know you don't, don't. No, I'm kind of doing it because I, I'm a professional footballer and I ought to be doing a bit of coaching or that's what people do when they finish football. They go yeah. into coaching. Just don't, yeah. you think it's and I just thought it wasn't for me. So I continued the course, but I never did any of the... Uh, practical sessions or the experience and the hours of coaching you got to do. I just kind of left it and just went, you know, went into what I'm, what I'm into now. A few uh, quick fire ones to finish then, Kevin. Okay. Uh, so, apart from the goal at Miller Park, which you've already <laughs> talked about with the little bobble over Mr. Spink, proudest achievement in football? Um... Uh, well, I got five England youth caps, so I went to uh, I went to the World Youth Championships in 1981 in Australia and played with like Neil Webb and Paul Allen and uh, Danny Wallace and a few others. So I've got those. They're, they're I'm quite proud of them. But I, th I think um, 
I think just the fact that I just lasted as long as I did, I can't pick out one particular moment, but just, just you know, when people say, oh, you play football, I go, yeah, I play football. And I started at 16 and I finished at 35. So I had like 19 years in, in pro football, which is, which is you know, just a general... Sorry, that wasn't that bothered about yeah, football. Yeah, just a gen- general Give thing. Give it a go. <laughs> Why yeah. not? Just a general thing. No, I'm, you know, I didn't win any great achievements or honours or medals or anything like that. But just as a general kind of, I'm quite happy with my lot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. On the England thing, then. Obviously, when Graham Taylor left Villa to um, become England manager. Yeah. Did you ever think that you might have a sniff of England because obviously Taylor rated you? Did you ever think that? Yeah. There was a possible. There was a possibility. I think, but 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 um, the season he left. Um, I, I wasn't. I didn't have my best season. The season he left, so we we had a, we had a manager called Joseph Fengloss, or Doctor No, as I called him, because <laughs> <laughs> oh no, because <laughs> he was terrible, really terrible. Hardly speak English. And uh, after having Graham Taylor and Dave Bassey, you know, committed English, blah 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 blah, blah full on. We had we had pigeon English Doctor Joe, yeah. and it didn't push any buttons for me at all and I didn't have the best season to be right. fair um, so um, and by that time I, you know there was Lee Dixon and there was various other players you know in the front Paul Parker and other people yeah. so you know I, I might have been up there in his thoughts but I don't think I don't think I've played well enough to to get in there right I think my time had gone so that's it or Taylor uh, I'm going to go for Taylor fair enough I'd have to and go I think Taylor. And that's a difficult choice, by the way, because I owe Bassett, you know, so much in my career. Mm. But uh, oh, just that's just a personal level. So, where would you rather play now? Plough Lane, Bremer Lane, Villa Park. Oh. Well, Plainland doesn't exist anymore, so that's easy. They're rebuilding it, aren't they? They are rebuilding it, yeah, if they can find the money. <laughs> <laughs> They're about 11 million quid short at the moment. <laughs> Um, what was it Villa Park on Sunday as I said to watch the, Le- the Leicester game and it was full up full house so however many 42,000 a fantastic noise fantastic stadium but Bramall Lane is a better stadium it's a better stadium it's a better atmosphere because it's enclosed yeah. Yeah. Villa Park's great but it's it's a, it's a collection of four big stands yeah. you know that are all mismatched and they're talking about knocking one end, end down to make it enclosed and you go back to Bramall Lane and it's brilliant because it's all like enclosed and the noise is still there it's something I, the I, obviously I've never experienced superb but I'd love to know what it feels like as an away fan in Bramall Lane when it's rocking because it must be intimidating it yeah. must be because it's it, 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 like you say it's on top of everything's yeah. on top here as well I, I, I love Villa Park it's one of my favourites I love visiting going to Villa away so I think it's that Goodison the old Spurs ground are all what I consider proper proper stadium because yeah. I like the idea of Bramalene is the same the stands have been built at different times like different periods but then they sort of they the don't belong together but they do but at the same time they have those Sort yeah. of like <coughs> thing, but yeah. So Villa, Villa's great, but Bramall Lane. You know, it's a home, isn't it? Yeah. So big runner, Howard Kendall. Oh, yeah. I, think, <laughs> you don't, I think you've answered that now. You don't need I, me to answer. And I wrote this before you said this, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we don't like big run either. So. <laughs> Greasy chip butter or pie and mash? 
Oh, no doubt about it. Is there greasy chip butty? I'm a bloody northerner now. <laughs> Been up here too long. So the, the biggest question: Who's going to ask this one then? Go on in. Oh, I'm trying to get some yes or no. Wilder or Smith? No, again, no, no again, contest. Again, no contest. I, I don't know Dean, Dean Smith. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know Dean Smith from Adam, to be fair. Yeah. But uh, I mean, Chris Wilder. I mean, I've, I've, you see the columns I write for Star and stuff. I think I said about a year ago, you know, he's, he's going to be England manager. Whether it's the next yeah. five, ten years, he's going to be England manager. Simple as that. Yeah. Well, we've, uh, we've had that chat with some of our Wednesday, some of our Wednesday friends at pub <coughs> and they've got P- uh, Phil's picture pinned up on a dartboard somewhere thinking that he's, <laughs> and I'd, I'd he's not sa- alone. I, and I, I agree with you. I yeah, think. I'd be saying that even if it wasn't a Sheffield Night fan. Yeah. I mean, you, I think outsiders are now realising that the more they find out about Chris Wilder and the more they watch his teams, by the way, because it's all about the football, isn't it? You've got people like Sunes comparing us to Barcelona oh, and stuff like that. Do you think he's too outspoken? For himself. I don't think he's outspoken. I think he just says it like it is. Yeah, he does. He's very truthful, isn't he? He's not, he's not outspoken for outspoken sake. Like, no, no like he doesn't. Brian Clough or something like that, is he? He doesn't try and be... Uh, no, he doesn't call controversies, no. does he? He just, he just says it how he sees it. And I think the average football fan... You know, appreciates that and respects him for it. The amount of times we come out of the ground or we we, we meet up in a pub at before a game and go, "Do you hear Wilder yesterday?" That's exactly what I was thinking. Exactly what I was thinking. Can you imagine Wembley, it. Chris Wilder managing England? <laughs> you know, Wembley get walking up, thumping <laughs> <laughs> the three <laughs> lines and running down running the touchline, <laughs> doing dives into the corner. <laughs> Harry King, I mean, Sterling, and Wilder with a pile of Imagine the UK getting behind that. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's yeah, yeah. Let's just hope it doesn't yeah. happen. No, not for a good few years. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think his ambition will be to get us to be an established Premiership side, and hopefully, and who knows if it, this season might be too quick, have a serious attempt to get to a cup final and give it a real good go. And I think, I think we'd all agree, you know, Sheffield United winning something in our lifetimes. That's a personal ambition. I think, and I think it could happen. I, I just wanted. I just it's as close as we. Well, not as close as we've been because obviously we've been to cup semi-finals and stuff like that. But it'd be nice to win at Wembley and to <laughs> so winning in the semi-final would mean that we got to play in the FA Cup final. It's keeping in the Premier League for a couple of years and doing that, I think. Uh, Kevin, thank you very, very much for that. I've really, 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 really enjoyed Pleasure. it. Pleasure. Absolutely loved it. Thank and, you. And it's um, it's it's been great to just, to have an absolutely horrendous day at work, spend some time with you four. It's been fantastic. All excited about Saturday. And we hope you as listeners have enjoyed a slightly different take on the pod tonight. It's great to hear so many anecdotes about players that we've all seen watching and stuff from somebody who's experienced it first hand so if you're ever in John Field and you want a pint or a meal or you need somewhere to stay come see Kevin the Manor House that'll look after you won't you mate absolutely yeah. so we can all agree on one thing up the place nice one lads if you go to a pub in Ireland you have to have a song and if you don't have a song you may as well not put the pub on I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to find me Murray, right? Well, I'll take Peroni as well.